female either. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm wearing this. I didn't know. I, you know, it's just, it's just a safe thing to do when you visit a Korean church to wear a suit. You know, I'm just thankful it's not 40 degrees, you know, but do I look good at least? Am I okay? Thank you. You know, because, you know, if you're going to be hot, at least look good. Anyway, I don't know what there is to say about myself. Um, yeah, I guess I'm a naturalized citizen. I haven't heard that word in a long time. I've been here, I moved here in 2005, but I still don't have the accent because it's just too hard, you know? Uh, so uh, anyway, this, this is good as, I don't know what to, how, what to say to introduce myself. I have, uh, my, I have my wife and kids. My greatest passions in life are like hi-fi audio, which is very bizarre. You know, uh, I like watching a lot of movies. Uh, I like American sports. I've been playing fantasy rugby league just to teach myself how, you know, about this game. And this is how stupid I am, and I'll just share this one story, and then I'll move on. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know anything about rugby league. I knew nothing, but I knew if I was going to live in Sydney, I had to learn about this game. My, my team is South Sydney, by the way. Please don't judge me. Um, but I joined this fantasy league, and uh, we were drafting. So you pick players for your fantasy team. And one, you know, one, of my, one of my buddies it was like, why are you drafting all first rowers, but you're not drafting second rowers? Do you guys know what is first row, second row? I didn't know either. And I said, I don't want no second rate guy. I want all first rowers, you know, because they're first. You know, I don't want to draft no second rowers because they suck, so that's why they're second. I thought it's, it was a rank thing. And so my team lost that year profusely, you know, I was like, because <laughs> I had no second rowers. Anyway, I thought that would entertain you, but I guess it didn't. So that's as good as it gets today. So uh, let's just turn to the word of God. Hopefully it gets better. It, our word today comes from Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. The word of God reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before, before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray and then let's get into the word together. Father, we thank you so much that uh, just for this church and for the things that you're doing within this church and for the ways that your spirit is con continually 
touching and moving people to live for you. We thank you and we praise you for all those things. Today, we God, we pray that you would just lift our hearts to you so we could see you, so we could experience you, so we could know you and live for you. God, that's all we want to do. So, Lord, let your word truly impact us and make that difference within our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, if I haven't thanked you for inviting me to speak, thank you very much. Maybe you personally didn't invite me, but thank you for inviting me. Anyway, I always want to thank that. Anyway, over the years, I found that uh, the most powerful words that Christians can say to one another is this. These words here, you know. And, you know, I used to take it very lightly when I was younger, but I don't take it very lightly anymore. And these are the words that I think are some of the most powerful words you could say to another Christian, and that's this. I will pray for you. You know, we hear it all the time at church, but prayer can be really powerful. And that's what I want to share with you today. You know, have you ever thought about that? You know, Matthew, in Matthew 17, Jesus says that if we pray according to, you know, the way God teaches us to pray, we can actually move mountains. And even though that might be like an exaggeration that what Jesus is saying, it, what it goes to show is that even Jesus truly believed that prayer could be that powerful. That there is a really substantial power behind prayer. Prayer has the power to change people's lives. Prayer has the power to change people's destinies. One of my friends is a missionary in China, in the underground church in China, and maybe about 10 years ago, he was saying, Eddie, you got to come to China with me. And I said, why should I go to China? I don't want to go to China. You know, why should I go? And he's like, dude, God is doing some amazing things in the underground church in China. And he's just sharing you know, story after story of the miracles that he's witnessed himself. And one day he was telling me about um, this one of the key leaders of this underground church in this village passed away. But he was such a key figure that they prayed all night for him to be resurrected. And I said, that's crazy. He said, that's not crazy. What's crazy is that he actually came back to life. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And, and he said, it's only because we believed in the power of prayer. You know, this past, this past weekend, I read an article about Francis Chan. I think he was in Myanmar recently. And he was praying for the people there. And he said it never happened to him before. But as he was praying for people, every single person he touched was healed of their illnesses or sicknesses. You know, pr you know prayer has that kind of power. And, you know, sometimes I think in our day and age, we kind of forget that. We kind of really forget it, and therefore, we, prayer is not a part of our intimate daily lives. And I think because of that, a lot of our Christian lives are powerless. We do a lot of good Christian-y things, but we don't do a lot of powerful Christian-y things. And I think there's a big difference. You know, uh, can you imagine how your life might actually be different if you knew that there was one person that prayed for you daily? I don't know if you have anyone like that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Can you imagine how differently the people, uh, the lives of the people around you might be if you actually prayed for them sincerely every day? It might be different. You know, I know, I know a lot of us, we have a lot of things we're going to pray for. We have a lot of things to pray for within our lives. You know, we have to pray for, you know, uh, how we pastor or how we father or mother our children. You know, we have to, you know, we're, so, we're too busy praying for, you know, the, the person that we work, work with that we don't like very much. We, you know, we pray for things like, oh, how am I going to make it today with my spouse? Or There's a lot of things that we have every single day. We have a lot of worries every single day. Even coming to church. How many of you prayed this morning saying, oh, God, I don't want to come to church, but give me the strength <laughs> to get in the car. My wife and I, we've been visiting churches for the past six months. And, I, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you don't know it. But since we've been visitors, there are some Sunday mornings we wake up and we don't want to go to church. So 
Sometimes we don't go. <laughs> but other times we pray a lot, and then we make it into the car. You know, but it, it's true. It's, it's difficult. There are so many things that we need to pray for within our lives just to get through our lives every single day. But one day, you know, if you're, if you're a keen, you, you know, hopefully you take a look in the mirror, and you should ask yourself, even though I've been praying for myself, am I really growing? And maybe you take, a look, you take an honest good look at yourself in the mirror, and maybe you come to the conclusion, hey, even though I'm doing all these good christian things and I'm kind of doing everything right, uh, I don't think I'm really growing. I, when I look at myself, I'm not really flourishing in Christ. I don't see myself or my life really changing or bearing a lot of fruit. I see that happens to me a lot. And the reason might simply be Maybe there aren't many people praying for you. Sad. I don't mean to make you sad, but that might be the truth, right? Should we just take a real, should we, should we take a chance on making all of us a little bit sad? Let's do this. If you were to make a list of all the people that you know, that you're convinced of, that you know 100% that are praying for you today, how many people are on that list? If you were to make a list, write down all the names of the people that you know 100% they prayed for you today or they're praying for you today. How many names can you write down? Okay. Hopefully all of you are very, very encouraged. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, give me more time. You know, you know, hopefully that's it. But if it's for me, I don't know. Maybe my dad. Hopefully my wife. It might end with two. You know? I don't know. But let's flip that around. Can you imagine how, how empowered you might feel if you knew that there were at least three or four people on that list that you knew were praying for you today, right? How much could your life truly change? How different would, would your walk with Jesus actually be if there were just even three people praying for you? That would be pretty wonderful, don't you think? It can be. You know, when I first became a Christian... I was taught never to do anything without prayer. And I learned, I learned right from the beginning uh, how true this was. Um, I didn't know anything about discipleship when I first became a Christian. But I, my church was very big on discipleship. So they're like, Eddie, you need to be discipled. And I said, okay. So I got a discipler right away. And I remember my first meeting with my discipler. We met in my dorm room. I, was in uni, I became a Christian first year of uni. I was 18. And we sat in my dorm room, and I'm thinking the whole time, what is this discipleship thing about? What do you do in discipleship? And so my discipler comes to me and says, all right, Eddie, let's pray. And for the next 30 minutes, we prayed. We prayed for each other. We prayed for our church. We just kept on praying for, you know, the lost. And then we didn't even talk. We just prayed. And then we were finished. And um, the first thing I say to him is, so uh, when are we going to start our discipleship? And then he looks to me with this disappointed look, and he says, wow. You know, if you honestly think that we just did nothing, then we're not going to get very far. Because prayer is huge. I grew up in a church that really believed in the power of prayer. You know, I remember when I first became a Bible study leader at that church, uh, we went to the leaders meeting. It was 8 a.m. on a Saturday at the church. Brutal for uni students, you guys know. Uh, 8 a.m. at the church. And what we did for the first hours, we prayed. We prayed for ourselves. We prayed for the church. We prayed for the pastors. We prayed for all the leaders. We prayed for the members. We prayed for our ministries. It was hard. We prayed for a whole hour. And then afterwards, we opened up scripture and began our studies. I grew up in a church that not only believed in the power of prayer, but practiced prayer powerfully. And because of that, 
There were always testimonies of people within our church, lives changing, people being saved, people being transformed. And that's how I grew up, seeing the power of the Holy Spirit work in people's lives. And it convinced me. I was convinced by that church that it is simply because people sacrificed their lives to pray for one another. It was that simple to me, and that's how simply they taught me. You know, Eddie, you need to pray. And I want to see that happen within our lives. You know, I've been a pastor here for about 20, I don't know, 15 years in Sydney. And if there's one thing that I've seen in the past 15 years, I just feel like this belief in the almighty God and the pow our powerful God is kind of dwindling. People are not tapping into who he is and who he's all about and the things that he wants to do within the lives of his children. And so we end up doing everything by our own strength. And we end up running churches all by ourselves and by our own strength instead of truly depending upon him and looking at him and asking him to do what only he can do through our lives and through our churches. And I think we're losing that. And I don't want to say it like this, but maybe especially within the Korean church, you know. And I think that's something that really needs to be recaptured within our lives. You know, a lot of churches these days, they're run by head knowledge and not heart experiential knowledge of God. You know, one theologian said that the greatest distance spiritually that one can travel is from your head down to your heart. And I believe that that distance can only be traveled by prayer, you know. And so we need prayer much more within the church. And so my heart and desire in preaching this message today is simply to get us to pray more. That's it. If you don't, if you don't remember anything else, just pray more. And I truly believe that's what every church here in Sydney needs the most and maybe quite possibly what you might need the most within your life. In our passage today, Paul writes in verses 3 to 5 that they never stop thanking God because of what they keep on hearing about these Colossian believers. Paul never went to Colossae. He's never met this church in Colossae, but he never stops thanking God about what's happening to these believers in Colossae. But what is he, what is he hearing about the verses 3 to 5? It says, he keeps on hearing that God is growing their faith in Christ. He keeps on hearing that God is growing their love for each other. He keeps on hearing that God is growing their hope for eternity. That's what? Faith, love, and hope. That's like the spiritual trifecta, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what's happening within the lives of these people in the church of Colossae. And how did it all begin? Verse 5 and 6. It says, this all began when the gospel came to them. Who here remembers when you first came to Christ? Who here? You don't have to raise your hand. You know, who here remembers when they first came to faith? And tell me if it kind of looked like this. When I first came to faith, it looked like this. I, got, I was so passionate for Jesus. I was going crazy, going to every prayer meeting, telling people about Jesus for like two, three months. I was on fire. But after that, it kind of started dying a little bit. A little bit here, a little bit there. My, when I first started, when I first became a Christian, my hands were like up here when I was singing. Then all of a sudden it became down here after about three months. After I hear, I was like, I was lucky after one year to be like this, you know. So it started to die out. I don't know, were you guys like that? It's a very common experience. It's a very, it's, you know, it's, it's what happens. But what we read here in this church is totally different. It says that these guys came to faith and then they just continued to grow. It didn't die. But what's the difference? Verse 9. Verse 9 says that the difference was prayer. It says, since the day that we heard about your faith, we have not stopped praying for you. That's huge. And what that's saying to me is that because there were people like Paul and the disciples that were praying for the people in this church, they never stopped growing. Their passion for Jesus never stopped growing. And they kept on going because of these prayers. And prayer really was that power, the motivation, the engine that really was behind everything that that church was doing and what was behind what the Spirit was really doing within that church. And that's how powerful 
prayer can be. It can transform lives. It can transform churches. It can take people who are dead and make them alive again. It can take people who are like mediocre and kind of indifferent to people who actually care about spiritual things today. And that's the power of prayer. It can change our lives. So obviously, the goal today is what? Start praying for one another. And not just start praying for one another, but to start praying for each other regularly. Like sincerely. Maybe even by name. You know? Even if you pray for somebody for 30 seconds on the train, conscientiously, that's a powerful prayer. You know? But when was the last time we did that, right? You know, if you haven't, Please commit yourself to praying for your pastors, your small group leaders, your members, your ministry. That's the first part. That's part one of my message today. Just pray because it can change everything. Uh, The second part of my message today is this. How can we pray in a way that actually has impact, though? Eddie, okay, I'll I'll pray 30 seconds on the train, but how do I pray? What exactly do I pray for? Um, Our passage says two things that we can pray for that will actually help others keep on growing And here's the first one. When you pray for somebody, pray that they will be fully satisfied in Christ alone. Pray that they'll be fully satisfied in Christ alone. In verse 9, Paul writes, And so, from the day that we heard, we have not stopped praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And the the phrase that I want to focus on here is that phrase, filled with the knowledge of of his will. Now this word knowledge is not the ordinary word for knowledge, like the more you know the better it is. It's actually a very specific word. It's a very specific word that's translated like to the fullest of knowledges, the most complete of knowledges. So when Paul prays that they're going to be filled with this full knowledge of his will, what he's saying is that he's praying for this knowledge of Christ that is so decisive and so full and so complete in these people that they'll be convinced that nothing else in life is needed nor necessary except Christ alone. That's what he's praying for. Okay? So you see back then in the Colossian church there was this heresy known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism means knowledge. But these guys believed that Christ was great to start out your faith, but that's just the beginning point. You know, there's so much more than Jesus that you need to learn about. And so they kind of said, there's so many other things that you should learn. Jesus, basically what they were saying was, Jesus is not enough to know God. But what Paul is saying here is that Christ alone really is all the knowledge that you need. To know Christ personally, to know Christ intimately, is to receive the fullness of God into your life. And so, you know, all we need in this life is Christ. Christ himself is all sufficient to satisfy every need that we have in this life. And what that looks like practically is that every single day that you're living, you're so satisfied with Jesus that even though all these other things bombard you and tempt you and speak to you, you're able to discern the voice of God and you actually want the voice of God in your life more than anything else. Have you guys ever read this book called The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen? Do you guys, who here knows Henry Nouwen? And probably no one. He's an old man. He died a long time ago in the 70s. Classic books. Anyway, there's this book that he wrote, which is really awesome. And in this book, he says that every one of us, every single day of our lives, every every moment of our lives is listening to voices. We're constantly listening to the voices. The voices of the world, the voices of our parents, the voices of our consciousness, all that kind of stuff. And if we're not careful... 
And we start listening to all of these voices, what it'll do is it'll cloud our ability to actually hear the voice of God within our lives clearly. And if we start listening to these other voices within our lives, we'll actually lose the ability to recognize God and to follow him. And here are some of the voices that, you know, we sometimes listen to a lot, the voices of the world. Here's some. Maybe you heard some. If you dedicate yourself to making more money, you'll actually be happier. That's a voice we listen to a lot, right? Or don't let anyone see your weaknesses or your faults. Do everything you can to make yourself look good. That's like social media, right? That's our Instagram post right there, right? We could be having the most miserable day, but we'll take a photo of the sunset, and it'll be like, oh, I thank, I'm so thankful for all my friends. We'll do stupid crap like that, you know? That's what we do. How about these? Uh, your job is your priority. Your family is your priority. Your studies are your priority. Right? These are the voices of the world, and if we're not careful then we, just like these Colossian believers, can easily get sucked into living a faith that really is not centered upon Christ and his will alone. So the only way to combat this is to really f possess this full knowledge of Christ, this knowledge of Christ within our lives, this intimate knowledge of who Christ is that is so satisfying, so fulfilling, that we're able to discern his voice even above and through all the other voices that compete with his. You know, when I first became a youth pastor in Chicago, uh, there was a very special couple in that church. And the reason why this couple was so special is because uh, they were the first second-gen couple that actually had a baby. So it was the first third-gen baby in our church. This was back in, like, 1998 or 19, 2000, whatever. That, that's how old I am, okay? Anyway, so you can imagine how special it is. Well, I don't know who the first third-generation baby was in your church, but it was so special back then, 20 years ago. And, you know, this couple would walk in. This couple, you know, there were two people that met in my youth group. They got married, went on, had kids. Anyway, it's very special. This kid's name was Ryan. He was a boy, baby boy. And, you know, you can imagine he was the most popular baby in our whole church. You know, they would come into the church with the pram, and then all the youth group kids would just run to that pram. And then just bombard this one child. <laughs> I felt sorry for the kid. But I remember one Sunday, that actually happened. And it was pure chaos. The pram comes in, and there's like a crowd that's just huge. There are 20, 30 kids just yelling, Ryan, come here, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. You know, I don't know why they clap their hands. Ryan, Ryan, they're clapping. Come here, come here. And everyone's like yelling out his name, and he's like totally confused. But he's being passed around like this rag doll, which is so sad. But don't do that to kids. Um, but, I, but what happened next was, I'll never forget it, and that's why it's in the illustration. In the outskirts of this crowd, maybe like, you know, three meters away, four meters away from where Ryan is, his mother, who has, who's the most soft-spoken lady you'll ever meet, she just says, Ryan, <laughs> in this really feminine voice, and this baby, even in the midst of everyone yelling his name, turns straight at his mother and just starts yelling and crying because he wants to be held by his mom. You guys get that? Do you guys, can you guys feel that? You know, I think we have to be like that spiritually. Even though there's so many voices that are yelling for our attention, even though there are so many philosophies and so many, you know, wills and desires that are constantly battling within our hearts, we always have to be able to discern the voice of the Father. And not just be able to discern it, but we got to want it more than anything else. But the thing is, that doesn't come about just by attending another church service. 
You know, that kind of desire, that kind of ability, and that kind of retention doesn't come about simply by coming to another prayer meeting. That stuff only comes about when you choose in your life to meet with Jesus. When you in your personal life, it can happen at church, don't get me wrong, and it's good. You should do it at church. You should do it at the prayer meetings. But it happens when you choose to do that personally within your life, to spend that personal time with Christ and to learn how to hear his voice within your life personally. Now, something as simple as picking up your Bible on a Wednesday morning, it's so simple. But every single one of us here knows how hard that really is, right? It's right there on the desk. But you'll just pass by it, am I right? It's right there in the kitchen table. But it's so hard to stop and to open it. And I think that's why we need prayer. And that's why we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Because I believe that sometimes someone praying for you that day is the only way that you're going to pick up that Bible. It's going to be the difference between picking up that Bible or passing it by. Someone praying for you that day will be the difference between you actually meeting God or missing God. Someone praying for you that day will be the difference between you actually growing and maybe you actually dying. You guys get that? We need to pray for each other, right? That we'll grow in our knowledge of Christ, that we'll actually be satisfied in Christ alone. The second prayer that we need to pray is to be fully committed to living for Christ alone. Verse 10 to 11 tells us that the result of being fully satisfied in Christ is living a life that is fully committed to Christ. A lot of fools in there, but we're full life ministry, so I try to throw a lot of fools in there. Uh, Verse 10 to 11 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance, patience, and joy. This says that a fully committed life is characterized by holiness, righteousness, bearing fruit, increasing knowledge, supernatural strength, endurance, patience, and joy. That's a pretty good list. I want my life to be characterized by these things, don't you? But the emphasis here is that a full knowledge of Christ leads to a life that actually lives like Christ. The whole point of knowing God is to live like God. And that's what this is saying, and that's what Paul's praying. So the emphasis here is upon action, an active faith that lives out what it knows. 2005, first day I arrived here in Australia, I, uh, I moved into an apartment right next to Westride Station. This is when Westride wasn't cool. Okay, I know it's cool these days. I lived in the building right next to Westride Station, and I remember someone from my church said, hey, don't you need groceries? And you're like, you're right, I do. As a guy, as a single guy, you don't know if you need groceries until you're hungry. Anyway, so, you know, someone came over and said, hey, let me drive you to the nearest Woolies, which was the old top ride center. Do you guys remember the old, dingy, dark, scary top ride? You guys don't, because all you guys remember is the new top ride. Anyway, there was this old, scary top ride that had this old, rundown Woolies at the, like, the, the bottom part, the, the, like, the basement part of this place. Anyway... So we go shopping at night. I get my groceries. And uh, my friend from church turns to me and says, hey, uh, just in case, though, you know how to get here, right? I said, dude, it's only five minutes away. Just like right down Victoria Road. I'm not stupid. (laughs) So two nights later, I need something late at night. 
So I get into my car. And what should have been a five-minute drive down to Woolies took 35 minutes. Why? Because I got lost. Uh, I eventually got there. I did all my grocery shopping. But I learned a great lesson that night. Here's the lesson. I wrote it down. No matter how much you think you know where Woolies is, <laughs> until you actually get into your car and drive there and make it there, you actually don't know where it is. You guys get that? It's true. But in the same way, no matter how much you think you know about Jesus, no matter how much you think you know about faith and Christian life and Christianity, unless you actually start obeying his commands and living out his commands and actually living out the things that we get taught here at church, I don't know if you actually know him. And I don't know if you actually know what faith is all about. I don't know if you actually know how hard this journey is that's characterized by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. I don't know if we really know that path. Right? If you, to make it absolutely clear, the question that we need to ask ourselves isn't whether we know about evangelism or know how to evangelize. The real question you need to ask yourself is when was the last time you actually shared the gospel with someone who was lost? It doesn't matter if you say you know about humility or that you're humble yourself. It's not really about that. The real question you need to ask yourself is when was the last time it cost you something to serve somebody? You know? The question isn't, you know, whether you know what it means to love your enemies. When was the last time you picked up your phone, met someone face-to-face, -face, apologized, and did everything that you could to heal a broken relationship? You know? When was the last time you lived out your faith? True spiritual knowledge means a life of action. And I believe that prayer is what changes a person from being satisfied with this rudimentary knowledge of Jesus and faith and transforms him into a life that's motivated to truly please Christ with all that he does. I think prayer is what makes that difference. Prayer is what changes this person into this, and this is what is needed in churches today. So pray to be fully satisfied in Christ. Pray to be fully committed to living for Christ. And sure, it'd be great if people could pray for us in that way. And sure, it would be great if we could pray for ourselves in that way. But really the spirit of this particular passage is what Paul is saying is you need to pray for others in that way. So prayer can move mountains. And when we pray, when we start to sincerely, regularly, uh, conscientiously, intentionally pray for others, I think that's when we're going to start to see testimonies. So we're going to start to hear testimonies of things that God's doing in people's lives. That's when we're going to start to see lives being transformed, churches and ministries growing and changing. And I think that's what our churches need, especially here in Sydney, the most. So let's commit ourselves to praying for each other, and let's become a church that is fueled by prayer. Let's pray. So today's message is very simple. I'm just going to give you a very simple challenge Will you commit yourself to praying for people? We pray for ourselves a lot. But will you commit yourself to praying for one or two people? Maybe there's someone in this church. Maybe it's a particular leader in this church. Maybe there's a member. Maybe it was a youth group student you used to 
you know, be the teacher of that you saw come to faith last year and you just haven't been praying for that person. You know, maybe there's a person at your work or at your school classroom that you're like, you know, I'm going to pray for this person. Prayer can change that person's life. Will you do that? And will you pray in such a way that these people will, won't ever be satisfied with a mediocre, bare minimum knowledge of Christ, that they won't just be a bare minimum Christian, but will you pray that they'll be someone who's absolutely deeply in love, completely captured by the beauty of Jesus in such a way that all they'll want to do is live for him. Will you pray that? Let's just, uh, even, if it's, even if you just sit there and think and talk to God, let's just do that. Let's commit ourselves to that, and I'll pray for us in a few seconds. trust in you that looks to you, God, a church that hears your voice and just longs to please you with all that we are. Father, I know that, you know, there's so many things that go on at church, but Lord, if there's anything that we really want to be about, we just want to be your children that follow after you, that run after you, that just want to do the things you want us to do. And Father, I pray that every single person here in this room, God, will be men and women who will just long for you, run to you, live for you with all that they have, God. Lord, help them to really be children that hear your voice every single day amidst the clamor of all the other voices that attack them every single moment. Lord, may they be men and women who hunger and thirst and desire to just want you and you alone and who are fully satisfied in you and you alone. So, and, and, and in turn, want to see that happen within others as well. We thank you so much, God, for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.